Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Real Reading Talk. I am your host, Ms. Sasha Beckett Abdullah. And with Real Reading Talk, what we discuss are the issues that we have in the Black community and when it pertains to literacy, or I should say, unfortunately, the lack thereof. When you hear statistics like there are only 10% of African-American boys who are reading proficiently in the US by the eighth grade, or 17% of black children by the eighth grade that are reading proficient, what comes to your mind? Well, of course, you know, the first thing should come to your mind is that's an atrocity. You know, that is something that should not be happening. But just like I said in the intro, that cannot just be said without proper context. When we understand the history of this country when it comes to black folks not being able to read or write because that was against the law, against the laws of white supremacy, racism, the institution that we are still dealing with to this day. So you're talking about you know, over 300 years of being enslaved, and then after emancipation, supposed emancipation, uh, then you had the, the slave code laws, you had Jim Crow laws, you had all of these different laws that were subjugating black people, and especially when it came to education, black people were still told that they were not allowed to do things like when they were able to quote unquote be free, they still weren't able to, to go to the libraries. They still were not able to uh, go to different schools that they wanted. And now for some folks, and I'm one of those folks who definitely say that, you know, when it, when it was the time to where before integration and we had segregation, you had black people who really, really said, you know what, I'm gonna dedicate my time into making sure that our black children are edu educated because we knew the history in which we came from. And so, like I said, again, that's why I turned this uh, podcast Real Reading Talk, because we are getting to the nitty gritty. We are not going to sugarcoat in terms of that historical uh, aspect of why today that we are dealing with like the statistics that I gave you all earlier, where you have black children who are still not reading proficient. Even in my hometown of Cleveland, you have 66% of folks who are functionally illiterate, all right? But majority of the people in where I live in Cleveland are black. And so, and again, we still are having the issues of third graders. They, they had the third grade test and they implemented that saying if a child cannot read past the third grade, you know, then they are basically going to be held back. So again, that affected black children. And unfortunately, when you have black children who are not reading, you have to look at the parents. Nine times out of 10, the parents are not reading or again, they're functionally illiterate. They just barely getting by. So with all of that being said, I have such a phenomenal guest. This young woman here, she is just so awesome. She is a teacher. She is a tutor. She is a author. She is simply a motivator. All right. And she has a phenomenal story to tell. Her name is Ebony Donnelly. And I am so happy to welcome her 
to Real Reading Talk. And I would love for her to give us uh, some, you know, tell us more about herself, uh, her background, and how she grew up uh, when it came to education and literacy, and how was that, you know, in her family. So everybody, please welcome Miss Ebony Donnelly up in this house. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, yes. You are very, very welcome. So, Ebony, I wanted to ask you first, of course, you can, you know, introduce yourself again and then tell everybody where you're from. And also, when did you become a teacher uh, and a tutor? What made you decide you wanted to become a teacher and a tutor? And she does own her own tutoring business, by the way. Okay, everyone. So, as Miss Stacia said, I am Ebony Donnelly, and I have been working for the Cle well, born and raised in Cleveland, product of the Cleveland Metropolitan School District, um, Collinwood High School, class of '96. And um, I went. I attended Baldwin Wallace College, and so I majored in education. At one time, I wanted to be an attorney, but when I was in um, Collinwood, I, I started to be a peer tutor. And so I decided that I really, really liked that. And plus I started getting jobs working with kids and I was like, oh, this is rewarding. I kind of thought it was kind of cool. So I went to college. I'm like, I'm going for education. I'm going primarily for special education because I just wanted to be a special ed teacher. I'm like, they need the most help. This is where I'm going. So then my advisor at the time, she said, well, do them both. You know, they kind of overlap. So I took the elementary also. So I graduated in 2000 and I started teaching. So right after I turned 23 years old, I started teaching. So it's January of 2001. I'm a teacher. Okay, now what? Because now I'm responsible for a classroom full of students. Mm, how can I make this fun? So I started trying to do things to make it fun because, of course, had a classroom. I was teaching fifth grade at the time. You know, I did half a year, fourth grade as an intervention specialist. Then for some reason, they rolled me over and I ended up do doing a regular ed, fifth grade. And so along with that, I came, came with kids who couldn't read, you know, kids with behavior problems. I figured that it was anger because they couldn't read and like avoidance of the task. And so I was like, wow, I have to do something. So I just started keeping kids after school, like, listen, you're really struggling. And I would call their parents like, hey, can um, James stay, stay in school for like a, a half an hour or 45 minutes? I'll walk him home when I'm done but you know, this is important. Or I'll be like, I noticed he was sleepy this morning. So now that he's alert, like, is it okay? And I was working at Stephen E. Howe on Lakeview, if you know what that is. So I'm working on Lakeview, you know, it's not the best neighborhood, but I'm like, I don't care, let's do it. So I enjoy it so much. So I continue working for Cleveland. So then when I'm about 27, an offer lands in my lap to teach GED classes. So now I'm teaching adults and I'm like, whoa, by the time I'm teaching GED classes, I'm teaching middle school. So when the, the adults are taking their reading assessments and everything, and they're testing on like the second and third grade levels, some of them, some of them testing as high as eighth, but very few of them testing like high school level reading. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, this is interesting. So then, you know what I started doing? Hey, come to class an hour early. Class starts at six. If you get her at Five, we can do a little work beforehand in reading and math. So when class starts at six, you won't be frustrated. 
nobody wanted to do it because they've been so frustrated their whole careers in school they're like we ain't on it like we've heard it all before same song so I'm like listen I, I can promise you I'll make a difference I started um teaching GED like people are coming in getting extra help so then a man came to me and he was like six years old owned his own company for years he's like hey I'm illiterate he said I'm illiterate and you know my previous partner she's been taking my money because she read all my contracts we split up and i promised my 18 year old son that when he graduates i'll have a ged so i was like wow that's um a heavy task for me to do but on the flip side i'm like if i can teach this man how to read it's on. you know mm. that's how i kind of felt so we started with basic sight words and everything i end up getting the man reading he ended up leaving but he he came back like you have been such a great help at least i can do you know some stuff for myself he's like you've really opened the world up to me so i feel great about that and so then i would do different tutoring companies that came through the school district cleveland scholarship and things like that a better chance to learn all that so then i was like uh, i'm not really comfortable with how it's run I'm not really comfortable like i i understand the intent but that's not working for our children mm -hmm. that was my thing like it works for the masses but some of our kids have more extensive needs that's just how i felt so then with that i quit the ged job because i stopped believing in it and it's hard when you stop believing in something but when tri-c got the money they ran it a little differently so i wasn't working for euclid school district anymore now i was working for tri-c I said, mm, they don't care enough about the people. That might not be true, but that was my opinion. So I finished out that year. And plus, that was the year when the new GED test came out. Like the 2014 version. I'm like, these people don't have adequate computer skills. They just don't have what it takes. Like before that, adults had never had to explain their answers in writing, in detail. Even though our kids had been doing it, adults weren't able to do it. I said, I need to catch people earlier because what we don't want is them to get to this level and they're totally frustrated mm -hmm. so i had a very high success rate with the ged i had people passing that test like knocking that thing out of the water but it was because i was teaching them as i would children i was taking in graphic organizers and different things and they were frustrated but i was like i promise you like put your money on me like we gonna win and so that's what ended up happening so then once i quit ged i said the next time I do anything, it's going to be for me. I said, because I know what works. I know what's meaningful. I have a master's in curriculum. That's where I'm going. So with that, um, Literacy Innovations was born. 2005, I'm like, I mean, 2015, I'm like, just jump out. Just jump out the tree. I just was, I was thinking it. And then I was like, I may be overthinking. I said, forget it. I just filled out for my paperwork and everything. I was like, it's a go. This is what I'm doing. And it was like, almost like I threw up the bat signal or something. People were like, do you tutor? Do you tutor? Do you tutor? And I was like, and I was like well, I'm a, I was like, I'm a teacher. I'm just starting my tutoring company, things like that. People were like, we're ready. Like, when do we get a slide? Like, where do you do it? Like, what do we need to do? Mm. And I was like, oh, I was like, I got this. Like, all day every day like i have this because i love to read so much so i'm like mm -hmm. it's easy for me to kind of help somebody else develop their passion for reading 
So we do that and I've just been moving ever since. But I just thought there was a need because I'm like, some of these tutoring companies, they may do good work, but they're so expensive. So I'm like, if the parents can't afford it, you know, to maintain it, then that's a problem also. So, you know, I said, I'm going to do it at an affordable price. So then I wrote a grant. I said, look, this is the worst thing I could do. They can say no. So I wrote a grant for Neighborhood Connections. And I was like, I want to do a summer literacy program. And I said, I wanted to do it either free or at reduced cost to the parents. I wrote the, I wrote the small grant, um, $5,000. They awarded me the grants. Mm-hmm. And then I um, came out with the literacy program because I was already doing family game nights. I said, how can I get families in here to learn in a way you know, where they'll keep coming. So I was like, I have to make it fun. But I was like, I don't want a dog and pony show. So what can I do? So I started doing my family game nights. And then they just started growing. Like they just started growing. And then I end up through um, trying to start a reading club in my community, because I still live in Hollywood. So through trying to start a reading club, and doing my family game nights, I end up um, gaining the attention of somebody from channel three and she was like hey we would love to have you on we the people so then i ended up being on we the people and you know 2018 and then i ended up being on we the people again in 2019 and things like that just through stuff and so mr chicken they end up sponsoring my game night so they gave me seven months of food to feed 50 people um so that was all of 2019 from may to december of 2019 and i was like i just have to keep doing this work so every month i would come up with a gimmick i was like okay so what can i do to get them to read when they're not here because i have all these educational games sight word bingo you know all kind of board games related to different skills that they need and as i'm looking at parents arguing with their kids over affecting opinion like, that's not a fact. That's a fact. And when you hear a kid saying, no, it's an opinion because that's somebody's judgment right there. So that, and when you hear that, you're like, yes, that's what this thing is about. And so it was like, I would just buy more games and more games. And before you know it, I'm just have a million games that it just looks like a warehouse because anything where they have to ask and answer questions, I have any type of bingo main idea, sight words multiplication division any of that i'm like i got something here we're gonna do this and so parents started getting engaged and so then you know i would have the books so they can always take books i'm like take as many as you want they're free you can have them don't bring them back and so then what i started doing with kids it's like did you read that book tell me a little bit about it so then they started to be excited like oh man i read that book it was good and so then i started being like mm. i would check out what kids like and start to talk to them and so then i'll try to give if i knew they liked a certain thing i'll try to go purchase a book on that subject like if i know somebody like x-men and i know they, they were in regular attendance i'll buy a book x-men it is and i'm like hey guess what Remember you told me about X-Men? Here you go. And so stuff like that. And so then the kids are excited. And then I did other stuff. Like I would um, like raffle off slime. And I'd be like, listen, this is still reading because you have to read this recipe. So I need you to go make this slime. Let me know if it came out good. So then I started for the girls. It would be cake mix complete with frosting. I'm like, go bake this cake. Let me know. Send me a picture. Show me anything. And so I started doing that. And so they just really started to engage with my game nights. And so they were just having like a great time. And so I was always like, okay, so what's the next challenge? What can I do next? What can I do next? So then it will be like, I will bring a list of sight words. Like, listen, so these are the words you should know. 
and I will always give them the option. You can take it, but you don't have to, but just know like if it's here. And then I'm like, well, I, you know, well, I personally, I love reading. So I read for 30 minutes a night. So can you know, do you want to join me in this? Like I'm challenging you. And kids are like, oh, okay, okay, okay. And I'm like, now nah, I'm going to ask you when you come back next month. But this is not as a teacher. This is not in my tutor, my teacher hat. This is in my tutor hat. But more than that, it's in my community member hat. So I'm up in here. I got on a t-shirt, jeans, tennis shoes. Parents are like, I'm so glad you're here. Let me ask you this. Okay, so they, he got this one, his NWEA. So what does that mean? And I'm like, this is, you know, and so what, what should I do? And so I'm like, well, can he do this? Well, here we go. And so then I started raffling off the bingo games of all kinds. I started raffling off the stuff. I'm like, listen, allowance game is like Monopoly, but it's shorter. You know, they don't go to such high amounts and things like that. And so the parents are like, what, what, where can I buy it? And I'm like, don't buy it. And so I would just raffle it off. But then I would also do stuff like art kits, you know, because every kid doesn't want to read a book, but I will raffle off journals. I'm like, write something good in here, write something good in here. And so I just started doing things like that. So it was like, I would try to have something for everybody, like the big Crayola art kits that are about 25 bucks. I feel like it's worth it. If it's going to get a kid going, I feel like it's worth it. So I would just raffle the stuff off. And I'm like, listen, this is, you know, this is what we're doing. And so I was able to catch a lot of families like that because it, they're like, oh, this is fun. And I will always tell them, I don't know if you understand what you're reading because your facial expressions will tell the story. So mm -hmm. I will tell them reading is like watching a movie. I said, so if you ain't frowning, smiling and all that, you now understand what you read. So I don't believe it. So I used to be like, make me believe you. Like, make me believe you. Because when I'm reading, I'm frowning. I'm like, no, he didn't. And so I would be acting out. The kids would think I'm so funny. But guess what? I have hooked them. I put them. So now every month they're like, where are the books? And I'm like, you know, I have the books. And so I would be in the, um, in the grocery store and everything. And kids would be pointing me out. That's the fun lady right there. That's the fun lady. You remember her? She'd be at the Collinwood wreck. She'd be at the wreck. So now all the kids know who I am. I'm the fun lady. You know, do you have the new whatever book? Um, what is that something they like? Um, Captain Squarepants or something. Oh, oh, oh. You have a Captain Squarepants book? Do yeah, you? Yeah. And I'm like, I do. I'm like, I do. Yeah. Captain do Underpants. Whatever. That's what it is. I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, who underpants? Yeah. So they did like, do you have that? So all of that, I'm, I'm like, mm -hmm, mm hmm, I got it. And so the communities got behind me so much because I'm the program manager of Collinwood Reese that they started donating books on my behalf. So wow. now they're donating books on my behalf. So I constantly have books. So I have kids books from the kids book bank but now i have books that the community members have given to me i'm talking about very nice books some brand new books gently used books and they'll be like listen my my children have outgrown these books because you know some kids are readers mm -hmm. so my kids have outgrown these books but i saw what you were doing so i just really want to do that so now i have more books exposure to more authors and more content that kids might enjoy so i'm like I'm like, oh, yeah, we can do this. And so then right when COVID started happening, I was starting a community book club with the um, Memorial Nottingham Branch Library. And then COVID happened. So um, we only got to do one meeting. Hmm. Oh, my goodness. Ebony, you, I mean, you touched on so many different things. I hope y'all out there, again, for those of you who just tuning in, this is the Real Reading Talk podcast.
and I am your host, Miss Sasha Beckett Abdullah. You can just call me Miss Sasha. You got to say my whole name. I just said my name. And um, I have a wonderful, awesome, phenomenal guest on here, Miss Ebony Donnelly. I mean, for those of you who've been listening already from the beginning, she told us about, you know, her dedication as being a teacher in terms of her going that extra mile. So these were little notes that I was taking as she was talking because she was just spitting. She was dropping nuggets, y'all. Okay. So I'm over here. I'm like, she's talking. I'm like, okay, yeah, I got to talk about this. I got to talk about that. I mean, and she, you know, talking about in terms of the relationship aspect, I kept hearing that the relationships that she was developing with the adults that she was helping in the GED program, as well as the youth, y'all, because that is key right there. All right. She also talking about, again, um, I like the aspect of when you talked about that story about the man who admitted that he was illiterate. To me, that was just like, wow. And it just reminded me of something that when I had was being interviewed uh, by a brother uh, last week, and he was asking me about in terms of adults, how do we get those adults who do not know how to read or are barely reading, you know, how do we get them on? And one of the things that I said, the very first thing that I said, I said, they first have to admit that they have the problem. I said, just like a, an addict, right? They have to admit, when they go through that 12-step program, they have to admit, look, I, I submit, I got a problem. This man humbled himself and said, I cannot read, can you help me? Right there, that was just, that right there made me tingle when you said that. And then, and I'm so glad that he hooked up with you because I mean, just, you know, all of the different things that you do, you know, I mean, you go that extra mile by you saying, hey, look, I want y'all to come an hour early so that you can get that extra help. You saying, hey, look, I need that child to stay after school. I will walk you home. All right, so those are the things that we need in our community. Everybody has to get in where they fit in. Everybody can't be Ebony. You know, she found her lane. But whatever it is that you do, you have to say, okay, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it to the hilt. I'm going to take it to that next extra level. And these are just some of the messages that we are getting right here from Ebony. The, the confidence, when you were telling them that, when, when you, know, you were letting them know, hey, look, you put your money on me. I got you. You know, as long as you coming up in here, though, you got to do your part. So you wasn't saying that I'm going to carry the weight and I'm going to do it all. No, but you were making it clear. I can help you. This is my area. This is my lane. And I'm going to help you. I know what I'm doing. Just trust me. Have that confidence. And I'm going to have you pass that test. All right. And so those are just, that was another thing. Also, when you talked about um, the aspect of the art kits, and you talked about how making that investment, buying that $25 or $30 art kit. Right there, you talked about in terms of putting that, that, uh, that high level right there of education, putting that on the high level of your uh, value ladder. All right, that right there, those are the things that our children need to see. Those are the things that our children need to see that, hey, look, you know what, this is where, where I place my value at, not on the new LeBron Bron tennis shoes or the new xbox or what iphone you got i would go into the schools and and, and uh <laughs> and sub and and before i had wound up upgrading my phone because i had to because my phone was glitching so dog because i had that iphone 5 for forever I, I didn't care i'm like i said uh i still text it's still i can talk on it i can check my emails hello what kind of iphone you got i said why does it matter but these will be the same kids who would be struggling in reading 
these would be the same kids who were like, you know, no, I, I ain't trying to read. And so, you know, that right there, you know, with all of those different things that you said, it really, you know, it just speaks volumes. And it just shows you how we need more people like you who have that mentality. Because, and this is the segue into what I want to ask you about, because we talked a little bit about this before uh, we started uh, the show. And you were telling me about how you were raised in a home where y'all read all the time. And I'm just keeping it 100. Real briefly, I'll tell people, but those of you, this is your first time tuning in, I'm not ashamed to say that no, I did not grow up in a home where I read. I grew up in a home where my parents, my mother, she just had me. So I was, I was her, I'm her only child. And then my dad, when I started having a relationship with my dad, you know, when he was married and they already had uh, four daughters. So I'm coming into the new family situation. But again, it wasn't like they were reading, you know, either. So I grew up, you know, in both homes, not seeing my parents really read. Our entertainment was centered around television. Um, my mother, you know, I was a latchkey kid. So when I came home, that means she wasn't home. So I'm young. I got my key around my neck, keying in my door. What do I do? I didn't, it wasn't like it was a stack of books waiting for me. It was the TV and I went and got my favorite bowl of cereal or whatever the case. So that's, you know, a big part of how I grew up. That's why I wanted to really become an actress because I was so much into TV and all of that type of stuff. And so when you told me that you were, because you're only, you know, uh, four years younger than me, I graduated in 92, you know, so we kind of pretty much, you know, like kind of in that same, you know, age bracket, you know, in our forties and everything. And it's like, but you grew up totally opposite in that regard. Now, my parents, I will say, because I know if they listen, they like, hold up, don't try to play us now. Like, we, we wasn't about education. Yes, they were, <laughs> they were about education. My mother, you know, she went to open houses. My dad, you know, he would help me, you know, with my homework and stuff sometimes. But I'm talking about in terms of just having that culture of literacy, you know, that aspect. Mm -hmm. No, that wasn't, you know, in my home. And so when you said that was in your home, and you had a plethora of books, many books. Please tell us about that. Well, in my home, I had all kind of books. I'm talking about coloring books with stories, um, every princess, anything related to Disney. Plus, I had the CNSA. Do you remember the CNSAs where you pull the, <laughs> where you have to pull the string? Yes. So I had like every CNSA I'm talking about. I had every book. Plus, we would go to the library. Like, I think it was like every three weeks. However long you can keep the library. I didn't know. I don't know if back then you can keep it for three weeks. But we constantly went to the library. Me and my brother, we can get anything. My mother never told us what to get. We just had to get something. And then we had to not lose it. So we wouldn't acquire fines. So we can continue to go. So I had books that um, family, friends used to buy books and coloring books for me. Because they knew that I was into that type of thing. So I've always been reading i'm talking about very early like preschool age like it wasn't like i got to kindergarten and people was like oh i think we need to teach ebony to read mm -hmm. we had that stuff in my house the whole time so i saw everybody reading like every house i went to people were, were reading from at my own house to when i would go over my aunts and cousins house to when i would go over my dad's house like everybody was reading and everybody was reading something different we were allowed to read magazines like i had the highlight magazine when i was younger Plus, we had encyclopedias at the house when I was younger. I mean, we just had, if you wanted to read, you had access. We had access to books. And so, like, my mother was like, listen, 
stop asking me all these questions. Look it up in an encyclopedia. Just like when we used to misspell something, she's like, listen, get a dictionary because like, I don't want to see you spelling this like this again. Like this ain't what we doing. Like this is not how you're being raised. You have access to stuff. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we had to do. That's who we were. That's who we were as a family. So it was like everybody read something different. You know, we weren't sitting around reading the autobiography of Malcolm X, mm -hmm. but everybody was reading something. My uncle used to like to watch um, Bonanza and all that. So mm -hmm. I'm sure his books probably had something to do with Western. But like my mother used to read like that Stephen King, Dean Coots type of stuff. And then I used to read whatever. And then as an adult, I read romance a lot. But so it was like, but we were never ostracized. We could, whatever you want to do, as long as you were reading. And we knew that we had to do, we knew that was like a requirement. Nobody was like, sit down, like, you know, drop everything and read. It was just like, oh, I'm bored. There's nothing on TV. Oh, I ain't going outside. Oh, what you reading? Oh, I'm about to read. Wow. And so it would, and so it would just be that. And it just continued like throughout my whole life. It was like, if we weren't reading, we were doing jigsaw puzzles. If we weren't reading and doing jigsaw puzzles, then we were playing board games like you know we were playing monopoly or something and we got some sore losers in the family flipped the board up but you know we would still do it so all of that type of thing and that was just how our family was and it wasn't just like in my house you know i go over to my aunt's house i have older cousins same thing mm -hmm. no matter where i am no matter what go over to my father's house same thing i'm taking my stuff plus my father will buy me other stuff like oh you know, this one came out, you probably already have this one. I don't, here we go. And so it was just like, I always had access to books. And to be honest, I was surprised to find out that some people don't. You know, it was like, it wasn't until I was an adult and a teacher that I was like, really, people don't, you know, like this is, this is not people's life because like in my house, it was always like education, education, education. And, you know, they didn't tell us what to think or what to read, but we always had access. Like, if we wanted to go to the store, if we wanted to get a book, we could get a book. Mm -hmm. You know, even though we went to the library all the time and all that, it didn't really matter. Mama was like, listen, well, you gonna read. The only thing she would fuss about, you better read it. I better not see it on the floor. You better not write in it. But it was like, not like, I'm not buying a book. Mm -hmm. Like, that was never the thing. Mm -hmm. So I always had access. And see, right there, again, you brought up and, and you're bringing up the solutions aspect. I mean, you know, you've already talked about, you know, a lot of the different solutions because here on the Real Reading Talk, po Talk podcast, we don't only just talk about the issues that plague the African-American community when it pertains to literacy. We are talking about solutions. And here, Ebony, she has already dropped, you know, a lot of solutions, all right? She talked about in terms of, the family literacy game night. You know, you talked about that. You talked about in terms of making sure that the kids had books, like at your family game night, you know, they were able to, you were able to give them books, correct? They were able to get uh, books mm -hmm. from there. You know, also you talked about coming from a family of readers. So this is what you saw. And that's a big part of why we already know statistics show, and then we can, you know, see for ourselves. If you have a kid who is in a home where reading is not happening, they don't see their parents reading, you know, then they're not going to read. And that's just period, point blank. And I will say this, even, you know, just to go back even to it in, in my history, even though 
I did not grow up like you in terms of reading all of the time or having books around me or seeing my parents read. It was always that aspect though of you're going to go to school, you're going to graduate, you're going to go to college. That was always the message. And we know, especially as black folks, we know that's something that we have been raised upon. You know, hey, look, especially again in, in our age range and older, it was like, you're going to get your education, you're going to get your education, da, da, da. So we definitely know that education has always been something that's been promoted, you know, in the black community. But I want to ask you though, by you being a teacher, by you being a tutor, you know, what are the, the attitudes that you would see when it came to, or when it comes to rather, you know, trying to get a kid to read? Because I'm going to tell you, I, you know, would sub, I would substitute teach in Cleveland, East Cleveland, you know, and in, I subbed in Cleveland Heights uh, before as well. But when I would ask kids, you know, how many of you, you know, have books at home? How many of you like to read? Uh, very little hands would go up. So I would like to ask you in terms of your experience being a teacher, have you seen that and why do you think that is? I, I have definitely seen that, but that's an issue that it's very, it has been easy for me to get around and navigate because I love reading so much. So I would always issue a challenge. So, you know, whenever kids come to me, because you know, I primarily tutor reading, I'm like, do you like reading? No, I don't like reading. Why not? Um, it's stupid. It's boring. I said, okay. Okay. I said, well, you know, I'm the opposite. I love reading. I think it's very fun and entertaining. So right now, they're like, why? And I'm like, because there are certain things I like to read about. You know, I hook them like that. So then I say, do you struggle when you read? Um... You know, so then, you know, kids are very honest. I mean, I don't know all the words. So I'll say, I'll say like, are they big words or little words? And they'll say, um, some big words, but some little words too. Mm -hmm. Right there, when they say that, guess what I start with? Sight words. So I say, I want you to read something for me. Are, are you open to this? I, I think I can help you. Are you open to me helping you? They'll say, yeah, you know, I guess so. Okay, right here. So then I say, now this is a sight word list. I'm like, it's a lot of words on this page. But don't you worry. I said, if you learn these words, I guarantee you that you'll be able to read. And then I just take it slow, each grade level. How do you feel out after reading that? I said, see, that one's so bad. You see how you only missed one right there? So, you know, you got this. Okay, read the next set. You see how you got all those right? And so on and so forth. So depending upon their grade level, I say, now, you know, you're going to the third grade. So the fact that you knew any of these words was pretty good. You know, because really these are words you're supposed to learn in the third grade. You know, just pumping them up and just motivating them. And so at every grade level, when I encounter kids who struggle with reading, the first thing I do, test their sight word knowledge. Mm -hmm. Because if they know their sight words, then you can start adding S to the end of words and I-N-G and prefixes. And guess what? I'd be like, I'm like, see, you didn't even know you knew that. Like, say, for instance, if the word is used, I might be like, so now this is used. You knew that. I was like, now, what do you think if we put this F-U-L? Remember, I say F-U-L says full. So now we got used, and they're like, full. I'm like, now put it together. I'm like, see, look at you. So then I'll take the, so then I'll take the ending off, and I might put R-E in front. And I'm like, now, remember, re. And then I'm like, what's this word they like use? I'm like, put this thing together. Reuse. I'm like, see, there you go. And so then they start to build confidence. And so then they are open to reading. So now when I'm like, let's get a book, 
And so then I will always take the onus off of them by saying, do you want to read first or I'm going to read first? And then I'll say, we're going to partner read. And so then I'll say, I'll read this and then you read next. But then I'll say, but we're going to read it together. Mm -hmm. But we're going to read it together. And so just doing different strategies like that. And so then, you know, eventually they like, I don't even need you. Like, I got this. Like, when it's my turn to read, like, I'm going to read. You know, they're like, you won't help me. I'm going to help you. But my goal is to get you to read this by yourself. So even though they start off hating reading, now they're excited. Mm -hmm. And so I always try to do some hands-on activities where, so now I'm like, last week we learned the word use. Okay, I got these pop bottles. I give them the letters, spell the word use. Okay, now make reuse. Okay, now make useful. And then they're like, oh, okay, that's fun because they think they're playing. They're not realizing that it's all the same, but it's not a worksheet. It's hands-on. So guess what? They're interested. So then I'm like, what do you like to read about? Like this one little girl, she liked that fancy Nancy. Okay. I'm like, what do you like? She like, I like Fancy Nancy. One day I was at the dollar store and I saw something with Fancy Nancy. So then the next time I was like, nah, I know how you like Fancy Nancy and how she building up that vocabulary. Cause you know, the, she was in the second grade. I said, I got something for you. I pulled out those stickers and everything. I said, this is what we doing. She was like, oh my God, thank you, thank you. So now she wants to read every Fancy Nancy book. And the boys are the easiest to hook to me. The boys like, you know, people like boys don't like to read. You know, I tutor mostly boys because they're more likely to have a reading problem. I can hook them in so easy. What do you like? You like basketball? You like football? You like baseball? You know, you like superheroes because I love the Marvel movies. You know, have you ever watched Avengers? Well, did you know Black Panther this? And so guess what? You can find a book on that stuff. Like even Fortnite, like these kids are so in love with Fortnite. So you might not want to read, but you'll read about Fortnite. And so I'm like, listen, I know you know the dances, but did you know this? Because I didn't know this about Fortnite. Because, you know, like if you're a reader, you can skim through it real quick. They don't even know that you didn't know. And so I've been able to hook these kids. So it's like most of these people are like, I'm, I'm ready for next week. I'm ready. And I'm like, try to read something. But if you don't, that's okay. But I'm telling you, I'm reading every day because I think it's very important because I really want to be very smart and kids are like oh okay mm. okay wow especially especially like kids that I tutor for the third grade reading guarantee I don't keep bringing that test up to them I'm not like you're here to pass this test I'm like look we're gonna do some fun stuff you know I'm gonna teach you how to draw conclusions make inferences do this do that and they're like okay because you know kids they buy into it and then I'm like, I can help you because I have a 100% success rate. Every kid that I've tutored for that third grade reading guarantee, they have passed. And most of them score in the proficient range. So they, they didn't do that limited and that basic. They scored in proficiency. And that's only with me working with them once a week. Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't having to work with them forever. It'll be like a couple months once a week. But once I figure out where they are, I'm able to just go. And so I guess that's my gift because... That's what I've been able to do so far. Mm, 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 mm. Hello. Y'all hear this? I'm telling y'all this sister right here is just bad. We are, uh, when we get towards the end of our interview, I definitely want her to make sure that she drops her email, her uh, website, all of that information so you guys can see what it is that she is doing. You all here right here right here on Real Reading Talk. And I like, you know what I peeped though? I like how even when I asked you about the kids in the classroom that, you know, basically say they don't, you know, have you experienced that in terms of kids not wanting to read, 
And you was like, yeah, but you went right into solution mode. That's, that's what I hear from you, your message. You always go into solution mode. Like you're always going into, okay, yeah, I know this problem is here, but uh, this is how we about to fix this right now. You're, you are not about trying to belabor the point you know, in terms of the issues that we have, and which definitely, we definitely have to address the issues because in order for us to, you know, solve a problem, we have to know what the issues are. So, and that's, and again, this is what we are doing here on Real Reading Talk. We have to address the issues because yes, they are systemic issues for sure. But I love the fact how you brought in, number one, you said, you asked them like, if they aren't into reading, you see, you said, hey, look, do you struggle when you read? Right there, you know, you are trying to find out more about them. That whole connectivity, that relationship piece, I love that, man. You got that. That's a gift. That's obvious. Also, you offering your help. Again, you're not just trying to, you know, find out, you know, what the issues are and then just like, okay, well, you know, all right. You know, you're like, look, I'm here to help you. You know, you already hands on, you already trying to, you know, fix the problem and help them to be empowered to fix the problem because that's the key. Because that's the thing. We want our kids to get to that point to where they are trying to do these things on their own. Because Ebony is not, you know, you're not going to be with them, you know, throughout their life. So they have to be able to know how to fix these issues themselves. Also, the motivating aspect, the cheering them on. I love that, man. I mean, you are like, you know, one of their biggest cheerleaders, and that's great, and that's what our kids need. They need that motivation, they need that cheering, and that's awesome. And I love how you said, too, how you immediately would test them with their sight words. And that is key, and that is true. You know, in terms of when they get those, those are words that, you know, you're seeing all the time when you're reading. They should know would, could, should, come, you know, don't, from, all of those words, because they're seeing them, you know what I'm saying? So that right there is awesome. And I love, too, this aspect that you talked about, how when you're tutoring, you don't bring up the test. I like that. That is awesome. You know, you're letting them know, hey, look, you know, we're about to work on this reading. We're about to do this. And then you are talking to them about things that they are interested in. You know, that right there is key. You know, and that's something, and that's a message for those people. Again, she just dropped these nuggets, y'all. This is Ebony Donnelly. She is a teacher. She is a tutor. She tutors. You tutor reading mainly, but you don't you tutor math too, correct? Mm -hmm. I have I have a lot of kids who I tutor for math, but people primarily come to me because they're afraid of the reading test. They're afraid of that third grade reading guarantee. And then their kids come to me. And the reason I motivate them so much is because a lot of our students, and I'm talking about, I tutor all kids from charter schools and parochial schools. But you know what they lack? confidence like they're not even confident in their ability so it's like i have to cheer them on it a lot of them have been getting beat down the whole time because chances are they've been an off-track reader the entire time mm. you know chances mm. are and you know i don't want to say it like that but if you think about like oftentimes we start teaching our kids to read in kindergarten but by that time you know the 30 million word gap is already out here because you know our counterparts they have been reading to their children since their children were born. So, you know, and so we want to say, oh, now it's time for school. Let me get started. But we're already behind. We've already missed the mark. You mm. know, we've already missed the mark. And I know it can be done because I have a nephew that's four. He right now has never been to school yet. He can write his name. 
He can identify all of his letters. He can count to at least 30 by himself, like just because he's sitting there, one, two, you know, not being prompted. If I'm like, write your name or spell your name, he's like, J-O-R-D-A-N. Like, like you know, he's like, my name is, you know, <laughs> my name is Jordan such and such. He giving you first, middle, last name already. You know, he hasn't been in school yet. He's just about to start school, but he can do all of these things already because I told my brother, I said, listen, I said, Jordan should be reading. I said, he should start to identify some sight words. And my brother was like, okay, I'm on it. I didn't know he needed to start that early, but okay. So as of right now, he can already write his name. He can spell it. He already knows a lot of stuff. And so that's how I know it could be done because i told my brother i said listen make sure he sits and attends like make sure he's reading i said read to him and i said discuss you know these things and so now you know he'll know what it is because that's what you know that's what we do i made him one of those name things you know with the dots where you practice your name and he thought the O was an A at first because he didn't see the little line. And he's like, that's not how you spell my name. I have an A right there. And I was like, this is an A. Like, this is A. And he was like, oh, okay, it is. Hmm. And I'm like, exactly, it is. Wow, wow. So, you know, we, we, have, to, we have to motivate them. Mm -hmm. You know, and plus sometimes let them say, we always want to take for granted they don't know something. Let them tell us what they know. They'll let us know. They, they will let us know. Because, you know, kids are very honest. We're the ones who try to front, for lack of a better word. Kids <laughs> like, I don't know that. Yep. Children and kids our elders. Like, my mama ain't show me that. Yep. Yeah, they be like, we ain't do that. I don't know <laughs> what you yep. with that. Oh, my God. <laughs> All day. All day. And, you know, you said something that I had to jot down in referencing your nephew. Um, Dr. Jawanza Kunjufu, you, you heard of Dr. Jawanza Kunjufu? Okay, mm -hmm. so, you know, he's been in the game, educator, author, you know, and he's definitely written, you know, books about, you know, trying to, you know, educate our black boys and, you know, black children, you know, properly getting, you know, understanding their learning styles, all that. And he's been around since the 70s, y'all. Look him up, Dr. Jawanza Kunjufu. But he talked about, and Dr. Amos Wilson talked about this as well, in terms of, it was already study, it was a study that was done, it was showing that black children actually would score and do well, you know, uh, uh, more in educationally and, and gross motor skills, all of those things, they would do score really high in comparison, in comparison to white children. But he talked about though, when they got to the fourth grade, he was like, that's when they saw the decline when it would come mm -hmm. to reading, when it comes to education. And so you tell me, could you speak to that, you know, a little bit in terms of why, why that is? Why would you see that? Because like you said, I mean, your nephew, I mean, he's on it. And we've seen that. I've seen that. Please, that mm -hmm. ain't nothing. You know what I'm saying? You see our black right. kids, I mean, they like, I know this. When they know something, then they know it. Then it's, it's a confidence too. You know what I mean? To like, can you ask me to spell my name? I'm, <laughs> can you ask me something a little harder? <laughs> right? So please speak to that. Um, in my personal opinion, I think mm -hmm. it's a couple things. You know, the, the shift in curriculum to where now you're not learning to read, you're reading to learn could be that too. And sometimes the attention just isn't there. But then on another way, like as kids getting older, like adults kind of pull back. 
you know, like when you're when you're younger, you be like, um, I can spell my name E B O N Y, and they're like, oh, that's great, that's mm -hmm. great. But by the time you get to fourth grade, and you're like, hey, I learned how to do that new box method of multiplication, and parents are like, look, I'm good, I'm happy for you, finish. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's not the same. Like the big deal isn't made of it anymore okay. okay you you know what i'm saying like okay. that like that extra cheering is not there okay. anymore you know you get all of that when you're younger you know you see oh you're this you're so smart you're so this but right. by the time you start getting up in age it's like look this is what you're supposed to do we've been through this of course you can because you've been reading since you were in kindergarten of course you can do that mm -hmm. you know you always were okay with math but it's like it's not the same attention. It's not that same little extra, um, mm, that, you know, that even that the, we got when we were younger. Right. Okay. Even in the home. But then you think about, so sometimes when you're at school and you're struggling, so they might be getting beat down in school, you know, with words. Cause you know, these kids use stupid and all this, like, mm -hmm. you know, you stupid, you're dumb, you're this, you're that. So now their confidence is being beat down. So if we're not going to build them up at home. You know, they, they still need to be built up a little bit because now they're like, maybe I am stupid. Because you start to believe the hype. If you have 10 peers telling you you're stupid, not because you can't read, but because you don't have the latest LeBron James, you know, because that's what it comes down to. It's not like educationally. It's not like you got S on your report card. It's like you don't got to fly here because your hair be nasty. Mm. So you dumb. You know, it's and so that makes it a, a little different. And I think that's what happens because they're more aware of their peers at that point. Okay. And, you know, so, so now they like, he got this. I don't have this things, And I, I don't think it's always educationally. It could be other things like emotionally. Mm -hmm. It could be going on. I think that could be some of it because you can't tell me that you could read in third grade and all of a sudden in fourth grade you can't read. Mm -hmm. Because if you have the building blocks and you were successful, then even if you struggle just a smidge, we should be able to figure this thing out. Like a lot of kids have problems because they don't know about the text features. You know, they haven't looked at the graphs and the diagrams and the maps and the timelines and the photos and captions. They haven't looked at those things. So that could be, you know, that could be part of the problem because I know when I was in school, I skipped every diagram. I'm like, oh, this is a page I don't have to read. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm serious. Like I never right. was like they'll be like, look at figure three dash one. Right. I'm like, not today, maybe tomorrow. Right. <laughs> yeah. But so the bottom line is though, even though I did that, which was horrible, mm -hmm. there is a lot of information in those diagrams and those captions and those other text features. So mm -hmm. you have to be able to do that because mm -hmm. now when you're reading for information, we gotta be able to do it. And so I think between a social emotional piece and then just missing like bits and pieces because you know like sometimes in school it could be like some minute detail that you're missing that um is is the key like you get that miss that missing piece and sometimes you're like oh light bulb on right right exactly and so i think so i think that's kind of what happens but if you go to school here oh and then don't make a teacher angry. And I'm saying this because I am a teacher. You make a teacher angry and sometimes they say something that's a little too harsh for a kid too, on top of his peers always saying something. And then now, and then he goes home and he may not have the best home life, we'll know. So now he getting beat down a little bit more. And I just think it's, it's almost like the hierarchy of needs. It's like, listen, you know, I still need to feel good. I still need to feel like this is a safe space. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's what happens to a lot of our kids, especially 
our boys. Mm. You know, I think mm. I feel like especially our our boys because you know, like little girls, you know, sadly sometimes we just pay a little more attention to them because you want to make sure they're not doing different things and that they're doing this and they're not doing that. But sometimes the boys are like off in the corner. And right. then it's like he getting in trouble if his sister do something. You let her do this. Right. You know, so sometimes I think that could be one of our things too that we just don't think about enough mm. because i know when i'm when i'm out in the community it's the boys that gravitate toward me you need some help you need me to do anything right. because they still want to be seen you mm. know they want to be seen but sometimes we don't always see them right. you know like as a whole like everybody doesn't just see them but then when they start acting a monkey then they like oh here he go i knew mm. it and they and that whole family does this and so now you can stereotype the whole family wow. now wow. and i just think that Wow. And I think that happens because you'll see it. They'll, the kids are into some stuff. Some of these kids are really aggressive. You know, like we see some of these kids, but it's because they've seen so much. Like they've seen some domestic violence and they've had adult issues. Like I know growing up, I never was like, geez, how are we going to get the light bill paid? Mm -hmm. You know, like the light bill got paid, but like these kids, they have like adult issues. Mm -hmm. And so even though we're like, he's nine he has to go home and cook dinner for his sister and make sure she eats and does her homework so of course he's falling off mm. because he has other things that he's doing he's tired right right and i think those are the kind of things that we don't talk about and that we don't think about and we're not always compassionate about as it relates to our black boys especially mm. I mean, you, wow, once again, I mean, you are hitting on some great points, you all. Again, this is Ebony Donnelly. Uh, she is an awesome teacher as well as a tutor. Uh, she has her own tutoring business of, called Literacy Innovations, correct? Literacy yes. Innovations. And how long have you been teaching, by the way? 20 years. This is my 20th year. 20 years, y'all, in the game. And just, you know, awesome and dedicated. And I, again, I was asking her about how, you know, the question in terms of the fourth grade slump, as they call it, you know, because a lot of times uh, people are not, some people may not be aware of this, but, you know, uh, black children, when it comes to, you know, educationally, you know, and, and having those uh, gross motor skills and, you know, fine motor skills, all of those different things, black children was sore past white children. But when it came to that third, fourth grade mark, it was almost like black children, when it came to learning, and when it came to, you know, doing better in terms of tests and all those types of things, you know, it was like they, it, they came to a halt. And so, and she gave some, you know, definitely some uh, answers that, that basically we need to really, really pay attention to. One of the things she talked about, especially when it comes to our black boys, making sure that we show them that they are there. I see you, right? You know, you are present. You know, we care about you. You know, because like she said, she brought up a good point, and this is what kids do. If they are doing great, and you just kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, all right, all right, that's cool. You know what I'm saying? But they don't feel like they're getting pubbed up. But what they will do, they say, oh, no, I want some attention. So next thing you know, they're doing stuff that's destructive. But then you're giving them attention because you're telling them how wrong they are, and you, you ain't doing this right and all of that. But really, for real, for real, that was them showing, hey, look, but I wanted you to look at me when I was doing something good. I wanted you to notice me. I wanted you to ask me to help you, you know, but you weren't including me. 
So that's something that we definitely, definitely have to pay attention to. And we got to make sure that we are diligent about doing things right now. So when we get this information, we start implementing because that's what this is what we are doing here on Real Reading Talk. It's about implementation. We're giving the information and then we also want to utilize it. As I'm talking to you guys, I'm definitely talking to myself because I'm learning from this sister here. She is dropping it. And one of the things too that I wanted to ask you, I have a couple more questions uh, before we get ready to end. And I've definitely noticed that you have some books behind you. Um, uh, you know, some awesome books that where I see black, you know, uh, characters and obviously, you know, you did that intentionally. <laughs> so I wanted you to talk to our audience about how important it is for our children to see themselves represented in these books. It's very important. Representation matters, whether we say it doesn't or whatever. You can't tell me that I can grow up to be an author if I don't see black characters. You can't tell me that I can grow up to be anything if I don't see anybody who looks like me ever doing it. And you know, I'm not opposed to seeing other races. However, I feel like I wanna know we did something awesome too. You know, I wanna open up a book. I want to see me. I wanna see a little girl that looks like me with her daddy and the daddy look like mine. You know, I want to see that. I wanna be like, oh, this is me and my cousins right there. You know, cause you know, we good for putting ourselves in a book. I, I like that, good. you know, and I think representation matters. So I'm always trying to showcase black authors and black characters because it's important. Because, you know, when you look at some of those studies and like the little girl, like the white doll is better and all of that, that's conditioning, you know, that's conditioning. So now you can't tell me that my father not awesome if I'm reading Donuts with Dad and it's about you know what I'm saying and they mm -hmm. look like me or some of the other books that I get into I got I really got into this um book that was like president of the whole fifth grade I mean the book was just like I'm talking about love it to the point where I actually reached out to the author and she wrote me back like she wrote me back because I'm like she was a, a black woman and I was like, man, I loved it. It was so empowering because the girl was like an entrepreneur. She was like in the fifth grade. She had a cupcake business. And like in the book, there were all kinds of recipes and all of that. But then it was still knowledge about like past presidents and all of that. And that's the kind of stuff I'm into. And so, you know, as an adult, I'm like, this is good. I even did a video about it. I was like, listen, this book right here has everything. Mean girls, this and I was just like, spitting it, everybody was laughing. They were like, that video was so funny. I'm like, yeah, because I felt like kids could relate to it. The character looked like them. Like even on a thing, like, you know, in all these books that I look at, you know, some girls do have straight hair and they have a style, but somebody wearing an Afro puff, like in Hair Love right there, when that, <laughs> when that little girl, you know what I'm saying? And people are like, yeah, sometimes your hair just don't do what it, you know, what we wanted to do. And so I think it's important because then that way you know that you're beautiful, but you know that you're valued and everything. And it's important. And we just have to do, you know, we just have to do better with that and making sure that we're given an adequate representation. I mean, I don't mind seeing other races, but sometimes I just want to look at a book and see me. I'm like, that girl right there. Yes. Like, I know I can do that because if she can do that, I can do that. Like, even if you think about like how we had the first 
black president. These kids, they can really aspire to this. Not saying that they couldn't before, mm -hmm. but now they like, because I know for a fact, like one of us was up in there. So I know we can do it again. And mm -hmm. I think sometimes it's just inspiration. You know, it's just, a matter of fact, it's the period at the end of a sentence. We like, mm-hmm, we can. And so that's why I think it's very important. Go ahead, Abby. You done. Hello. Oh, my goodness. She said <laughs> right there. That's right. And I'm that sister. Anybody who knows me, I want to see us majority of the time. And, and again, and again, even, even when we're reading books, for example, I mean, you have books that may have you know, an Asian person as, as the main character or Hispanic person. And that's good because that is a representation of the world. You know, when our kids are just seeing that white boy on the skateboard, you know, you know, or that white girl playing with her dog, you know, it's like, okay, all right, you know what I'm saying? How many, how many more books are we going to see of that? You know, but like you said, I love the aspect. Number one, you talked about the inspiration piece, and that is so true, you know, and especially with, with our kids, you know, that's, that's one thing. We get that confidence going, man, please, what? You know, our kids are like, what? Yes, I can do this just like so-and-so did in that book, president of the fifth grade or whatever. And then I like the fact too, how you, the advertising of books, just like how you said you did that video. And I please want you, did you, and that's, you uploaded it on YouTube and everything? Um, I think I put that one on my Facebook and my Instagram. Okay. It might be on YouTube too, but it's out there. I'll send it to you. Okay. Because I want people too, and at, at the end, I definitely want people to follow you as well so they can see what it is that you're doing. Also, hey, send you some dollars, you know what I'm saying? You know, put your cash app, you know, something <laughs> so people can donate to what you're doing. Really, for real, man, we got to put, you know, our money, you know what I'm saying, where our mouth is, for real. You know, um, and also too, I do want you to make sure you let everybody know about your book, you know, because I definitely made sure I bought a couple of copies of her book that she authored. And I think that it's so important that we are putting those books out that represent our children because of mo most of the books that represent our children are going to be written by black folks. You know, they're going to be illustrated by black folks. And we have to make sure that we are saying their names, saying those black authors names, just like I saw this video about his brother named Ty Allen. I give him his, his pubs for this because he talked about that. You ask a kid, you know, uh, LeBron James, they know the LeBron James, they know Beyonce, Will Smith. But then he mentioned the author's name of Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Now, I just so happen to know, remember that author's name, because my kids are in that, that uh, you know, into that series. And so, but he made a good point. You have people be like, huh? Even adults, huh? You know, but we want our kids to know, they need to know these author's names. You know, just like I mentioned Dr. Juwanza Kunjufu. You know, you talk about folk, when I mention that name, the old, our, our, our elders, they know who he is. They know about Dr. Amos Wilson. They like, yes, you know what I'm saying? You know, so, and that's what we need to get back to. These were people who were valued and they're still valued in the community, but the only way they're valued though is that we are talking about them, we're referencing them. So I love, I love what you're saying with that. Also, two last two questions. Definitely got to talk about in terms of the virtual. How is that going with, you know, uh, teaching, you know, our black children virtually? Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get into really a lot of the negatives, even though I've definitely heard some, you know, some horror stories when it comes to, you know, our kids being at home and witnessing, like you, you know, mentioned in terms of domestic violence and not being uplifted at home. But can you tell us, you know, how's that going for your students and, you know, you teaching them virtually? Well, my students personally have so much problems with the technology Okay. Um, getting getting on. So it was like I've been on 
on the phone constantly trying to walk them through because I think sometimes, you know, we know that kids are good with technology, but sometimes we take for granted that they know how to use certain things because you use a phone doesn't mean you know how to use a laptop, right? Because you can use an iPad doesn't mean you, you know how to use a Chromebook necessarily. And so some of those problems were, you know, some of those issues were a real problem, okay. you know, just getting them on that. Now the actual virtual piece Mm -hmm. I mean, the teaching aspect, I think the kids will be okay with that because know why? Kids are resilient. The adults are the ones being the babies about it. Like, I hate to say it like that, but you know, kids are resilient. Kids are like, yo, matter of fact, kids were in the, I was in one meeting, like in one class, the kids were chatting with one another to the teacher had to be like, hey, the chat is not for personal. Cause you know, we're like, put your mics on mute. You know, if you have for the older kids, type it in the chat. These, these, uh, kids over there like, yo, Miss Sasha, what up? Follow my TikTok. <laughs> you know? I love my, they, oh my goodness, our baby. These kids have figured out how to, um, some of the children have figured out how to set team meetings up themselves, you know? Wow. Like, the, like I say, the kids are resilient, but they're, yeah. they're not going to be, they're not going to be the problem. You know, I think what I'm worried about is the, the social aspect of it all, though. You know, as far as like you haven't had any social interaction with anybody in months. Mm -hmm. And between, you know, learning virtual and the video games and things that they do, that's what I'm kind of worried about. Like, are you going to still have social skills intact? Like when it's time to come back, like when we go back into these buildings, are you going to know how to hold a conversation still? Mm. Are you going to still know how to interact with mm -hmm. others? Mm -hmm. You know, because it's easy, like, if you are just at home and you don't really have to do certain things, you know, I live by myself. Mm. So it's like, now, am I going to be totally annoyed by the time I got to be really talking to people all day, every day? Okay. I don't know. Right. You right. know, mm. I don't know how I might feel because I've gotten used to sitting here reading when I want to read, mm -hmm. you know, working when I want to work. So, you know, am, am, am I going to be ready? So then I also think about that for the kids. They haven't seen their friends. And plus, depending upon their, their life growing up, they probably seen some new stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, they probably got an exposure to other stuff. So we have to see what this is going to look like. But as far as the virtual learning piece, I think it'll be okay because, you know, with the video conference and they can see you and you know, you can manipulate everything. And you, to them, it's probably just like watching TV. I know we learned some stuff off some people back in the day off TV. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I mean, you know, some of us who watch Sesame Streets and all that, we, we, we got some, some content. Right. That's true. Some of that conjunction, junction, what's your function? Yep. I mean, we learned some stuff and we yep. didn't even have a live person like, hey, today we're going to do. So I think I think the virtual will be OK once we get the technology piece taken care of. Mm -hmm. And you brought up a good point, too. I think about even um, when I was watching the Cosby show um, and I got. You know, I started knowing about HBCUs. I was learning about HBCUs and I was yeah. you know, nearly, what, 10 years old? Whenever that came out, I think I was 10, 9 or 10 or something like that. And it's like, right there, I, I knew I was saying that I wanted to go to an HBCU. You know, and I'm seeing all these different, you know, saying college names because, you know, Bill Cosby wearing the sweatshirts with the HBCU mm -hmm. on it. And then when A Different World came out, oh my goodness. You know what I'm saying? So right there, that was some good stuff. That was some good education. It just brings me to... 
to a point too that I think about even as black folks is what I've been saying for real, real talk is this is real reading talk, y'all. Mm-hmm. I've been saying as black people, we need to make sure that we are trying our best to put out those people who are in the education space, you know, and then people who are not, they're not putting out videos, but keep trying to seek out videos where black people are teaching, you know, about black history, you know, doing empowerment things, you know, for our black youth, you know, there is, it's a plethora of videos. There's no, no excuses. Just like I heard you talk about before earlier, there are no excuses. We have access. We have access to a lot of positive stuff. And that's the thing we need to guide guide our children into that direction. You know, and I love how you brought up the fact, the resilience piece, and that is true. You know what I'm saying? With our kids, they are, they will bounce back. They're like, oh, okay. And then a lot of them, yeah, they may have been used to technology. And yes, they had to get used to doing, you know, maybe getting on a Zoom or, you know, Google Classroom, Google Meets, I think that's what it's called, whatever the case may be. You know what I mean? But again, especially when you're a child, you know, and you know, your mind, you know, you're able to, you know, get stuff a little more quicker then a lot of times the adults, you know, just like you said, the kids, they setting up teams and all that. I'm like, oh my goodness. But that's awesome, man. And that's what we want. You know, our kids, man, please, this is a time where we need to be gearing our children to being entrepreneurs. Like, okay, um, yeah, you may not want to go to college. And guess what? You don't have to go to college, but you can start your own business. And this is how you do it. So many doggone videos out here about how to start your own business and whatever you want to start it in. Please, we got access like crazy. And the last, mm-hmm. the last thing that I wanted uh, you to touch upon is how important it is for our children to be read aloud too. Please stress the importance of that. In my opinion, reading aloud is one of the most important things we need to do because it models fluency for our kids, like the intonation and all of that. And plus, they if you're reading aloud to your children, they know that you care about reading. They know that you value reading because a lot of times it's about the buy-in. You know, of course you're going to expose your kids to vocabulary. That's, that's, you know, inevitable. If, if you're reading, they're going to get exposed to vocabulary, but just the act of you picking up a book, not e- you don't even really have to read it for real. Like if I'm being honest, just the act of you saying, Hey, Hidden figures. Mm. You remember we watched this movie? Mm. You remember this movie? Mm. Oh, they have a book. Right. Kids are like, what? Oh, I didn't know. Mm. And things like that. And so it's very important to read to a lot to them because number one, you tell them, you show them reading is important. You're modeling that. Like I'm reading, reading is important. And plus they say that, you know, kids get that, that connectivity piece with their parents when they're reading, when they're being read to by their parents versus any technology that they have. You know, they say that the brain, the neurons fire more rapidly when that's going on. And I can believe that because if you think about kids get happy, you know, a lot of times kids will talk through the whole book, younger kids, oh, cause I remember, but guess what? They still keep coming back because they're still interested. And right now you've instilled that value of reading in them. So with helping them with their fluency, vocabulary development, their comprehension, you're showing them uh, how to take a picture walk. You, let's use this. You're showing them things without saying every single thing, like what we might say in school. Cause in school we might be like, we're gonna go on a picture walk. So pay attention to the pictures. You know, what are they doing there? Mm-hmm. But when you're in school, you do that. When you at home, 
parents don't have to do all, you know, they're not being technical about it and the kids understand. So by the time when they go to school, they're like, oh, me and my mother used to do that. Me and my father used to do that. My older brother showed me how to do that. Oh, I already know that. Yep. Goes back to that comprehension piece and all of that. Because I have to say, my brother taught me a lot of stuff. Because when we were playing games, he doesn't want me stumbling over stuff. So guess what he made sure? Mm-hmm. Yep, look, this it. When you land on community chess, you know, you got to read it. And you got to move this much. Mm-hmm. Now you in jail. You got to get doubles. You know what doubles are? Two of the same thing. You know, because he don't want me stopping the action because, you know, I'm going to say he cheated. Right. So, you know, he like, look. So it's it's just it's just one of those those things. So you when you model it, kids think it's regular behavior. Right. They're not like it's story time. Oh, why we gotta read? It's so boring. Right. Because you know they're they're used to it. Mm. Sometimes when you're you're not used to something, you don't like it. Exactly. You have to be sold on it. So if they get it at home, then they're they're like, okay, this is this is something that goes on. So it's very important. I love it. My father used to my father would read something to me. And then he'll be like, now you read this page. What it say? And I'm like, you just read it. What you asking me for? <laughs> like, I got the same thing you got. Wow. But it was just like one of those things. Like, he'll be like, now I was reading about such and such, and this is it. Now what you get from that? I'm like, I got what you got. It's the same. It's the same thing. <laughs> you know, and when I was younger, I used to be so annoyed. Like, okay. But so... You know, we we joke about it now as I'm 42 and he's 69. We sit there and joke about it. But that was instilled in me at a young age. I didn't, I wasn't thinking about it then. And I'm thinking he probably wasn't intentional, you know, like I'm going to make sure she can do that. But it was it. You know, then my mother used to be like trying to sleep and I would be trying to talk to her and she would be like, you know what? Go get a book and read to me. Because what she's trying to do is go to sleep. And what I'm trying to do is talk. So since you want to talk so much, how about we work this out? So she would lay down and I would read. She would go to sleep. I'm still reading. I don't know she's sleep. Cause you know, I'm like, you know, that's, that's it. Because I see her reading all the time. So she like, I want to enjoy my book. Okay. I'm a, I'm a pretty good reader, right. you know, as a young kid. Right. So there, so there it was. So it's very important because I know, we we read so much it was like second nature and like i said earlier in the interview it was culture shock and i'm like you don't read like at all like ever mm. like at all like mm. you not like never mm. I, it was like hard for me to kind of wrap my mind around it because i'm like yeah that's the reality that's, yeah i'm like that's that's what i do like i don't really watch tv and people are like what Hmm. what do you do and i'm like i read what do you read anything i want right (laughs) you remind me of my my younger sister my sister she's the baby she's eight years younger than me and and that was the thing um she actually was the one like i said i grew up in a house you know centered around tv for entertainment and she would just kind of creep to the back in her room and she had a lot of those you know little uh, I guess, I don't know, I forgot what kind of books those were called, the little teenage romance novels or whatever the case, but she was gobbling up those books. Oh my God. Not, not the Bluefer series. Was it the Bluefer series? Was it, no, it wasn't Bluefer because I don't think that was out then. Oh, because the Bluefer series is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> she was reading, dang, it was the, what was that popular? I cannot remember, but mm-hmm. 
Shout out to my sister, Veronica. Boy, and that's what I told her to this day. I said, I always admired that about you. Because, you know, I paid attention. I saw him like, she'd go to the back. Everybody will be. Now, that's one thing I have to say. My dad, we was into Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. I will say that, which was good. That was educational. We would be, that was our thing. Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune. And, you know, and she would just quietly go to the back. And she would be reading her little stacks of books. So she actually had, as we know about that, that, that intrinsic motivation, you know, that motivation already inside of her. It wasn't like somebody had to get her to try to read or whatever the case. And that's the thing we want to get, you know, into our children. We want them to be able to want to read on their own. And I like how you said too, which is the reality. I mean, it's not saying that, hey, man, we know that everybody is not going to be an avid reader. All right. You have some people who are they just voracious, avid reads. They just read everything. But we don't want our children, our black children in particular, have a, a apathetic, you know, disdain for reading. You know, like I said, I've witnessed that. I've seen kids say, I don't like reading. I hate to read. And then I start digging a little more. They don't have books. You know, they're struggling in reading. OK, they'll say they're not being a read, read aloud to. So these are key things that you talked about, which is very important. So I hope everybody has taken notes on that aspect. We talked about the issues that we have in the black community when it comes to literacy, you know, and how uh, the systemic issues are there and where it started from. And we know the issues, but we also got solutions. And our dear sister, Ebony Donnelly, an educator, a tutor, an author, motivator, all right, she was dropping nuggets, y'all. She gave us a lot of great things that we can walk away with and we can start implementing. So what I would like for her to do is to give her social media, you know, uh, you know, social media, is it called social media hand handles? Is that what it's called? <laughs> I, I think so. I yeah, think. okay. So she give that so y'all can go check her out, see what the sister is doing. Also, make sure you donate to her. Please, you know, give your cash app if you don't mind, you know, so people can donate to what it is that you are doing and also ways in which they can purchase those books too by the way those books are awesome you know that i purchased from you so please take it away okay so you can find me on social media ebony donnelly is my personal page but what you will really want to follow is literacy innovations llc on facebook and at literacy innovations on instagram you can find my youtube Ebony Donnelly, Literacy Innovations, The Movement, and you can purchase my book if you want to by contacting me or you can um, purchase it on Amazon. If you want to talk to me directly, 216-481-7544. My cash app is Ebony Donnelly and then LI for Literacy Innovations. So if you want to get in touch with me, those are all the ways. I also have a website, literacyinnovations.net. Hey, love it. Oh my goodness. This was awesome. I am so grateful for you accepting my invitation to be a guest on my podcast, Real Reading Talk. And I definitely look forward to talking to you again soon. And may God bless you in your endeavors and keep nurturing that gift that you have because you got it. And we appreciate you, sis. And we need you in our community. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this, by the way. I could talk reading all day. Oh, I love it. And we enjoyed you. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. You too. Thank you.